All right, welcome back into another edition of the Damn Podcast. Brandon Sprague, 1080 The Fan, Angie Machado, BeaverBlitz.com. Uh, back again for another episode. And I don't really know where we go with this one, Angie. It's uh, Maybe it's kind of a short and sweet podcast, because do we want to break down Idaho State? Not really. Not really. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I could tell you what I... I mean, we could talk a little bit about where we expect this team to be uh, after this game. I, I mean, this this game really should be a complete blowout is what I want to see. I want to see 50, 60 to 7 kind of game. Yeah, see, and that's that's where I am in complete agree, agreement with you is that's a really underrated thing for this week. I mean, look, you can talk about I, I don't the offensive line should play better or the defensive line should get more pressure. Great. Like, I guarantee you all of those will happen because, frankly, Idaho State is a god-awful team. And if the Beavers are in a close game against Idaho State, I'm almost entitled to chalk up week one as kind of a fluky opening college football weekend performance versus struggling against Idaho State. But what I look at is, think about think about last season. Weaver State, I remember being there at half. There were Beaver fans legitimately in the parking lot were like, dude, are we going to like win this game? And then San Jose State was kind of, it wasn't a blowout, but it was a little closer than I think people were comfortable with. You haven't had a blowout in quite a while. And I think year two, Gary Anderson, having like that 50 to seven or 50 to nine or 45 to 10, you need a victory like that, I think, in year two in Gary Anderson. I think you need it not only from a fan perspective, but you need it from a player perspective as well. You need those guys to um, really get that feeling of what it feels like to really put a team away and put them away early, hopefully early, um, you know, at least within the third quarter. But, um, you know, give them a little bit of swagger going in and seeing that their hard work isn't going for naught. And then the fans, you know, give the fans something to kind of have fun with and celebrate and give some of the younger guys just some more experience. I mean, I'm looking – Idaho State did play Colorado this past weekend and lost 56 to 7. Mm-hmm. And that all the points were scored third quarter and before. So nothing it was 0-0 zero, zero in the in the fourth quarter. So um you know that's the kind of performance I think Beaver fans and and the players probably uh, I know fans expect. Yeah, it's a weird week, isn't it? And like even with the Colorado score, uh I I tend to believe and I just really believe it. Colorado's a little ahead of where Oregon State is right now. Uh, maybe Oregon State surprises them, wins in Boulder, but I think Colorado's a little ahead. If Colorado's able to win that comfortably, you should be coming pretty damn close if not matching it. So that, I think that's what we're basically talking about is just being at that level, showing us that you've made the progression from struggling against Weber State a year ago to your home opener against Idaho State. You're winning by 40, 45 points, and it's in comfortable fashion. For me, though, it, it's an odd place, I think, for a fan to be because – you had the you had the was it a Thursday night open against Minnesota, so it was like week and a half ago, and you're jacked, right? It's year two. Let's see where they're at. Minnesota's a highly regarded team in the Big Ten, and they're close. They almost have that win. Week three, basically week three for them. Boise State comes in. That's a huge non-conference matchup. Boise State's looking pretty good thus far, but you get that sandwich, that home opener sandwich of just absolute garbage, and having to go watch Idaho State. Uh, exactly, but. And it, it does, like you said, it's it's almost two weeks since the Beavers played. So, um, you know, it's that it's like a whole new season again, and it'll, they'll be jacked. You know, they're they're gonna be coming out of their new locker room, and but you know, it's just not the same atmosphere typically on that uh, home opener at Reeser when it's you know a Idaho State or a Portland State or Eastern Washington type feel. What are things like for you on uh, on blitz on on setups like this where it's 
it's an odd it, it's you have the off week and then you you play coming off of the bye week you play a team like Idaho State because I want to give you my kind of like my two cents and what I've noticed about Beaver fan both off the air and kind of on the air and I'm curious what what is blitz like during a period like this you know it's it, it's not as much game talk as far as Idaho State talk you know it's you know there's no scout site that covers Idaho State. So, you know, we're reaching out to local newspapers for our, you know, behind enemy lines feature. It's a lot of kind of where's this team? What are they working on? But there's it's a chance to kind of do some fun stuff. I mean, we, we're running this week the top five wide receivers of the past decade mm-hmm. at Oregon State. So it gives you a chance to kind of do some kind of fun, different breakdowns. But I'm used to those breakdowns being partway through the season and we can break down some different numbers. It's really hard to look at midseason numbers when bye week came in week two. Have you put number one out yet? We haven't. It's tomorrow. Okay. Uh, but I can give you, so um, five, this was by our a writer we have now, a new writer by the name of John Newby out. Uh, he's, he covers the NFL for us, and the NFL Beavers, and then kind of did this as a fun, fun piece because he's always followed the Beavers. Yeah. He had number five. This is past decade, okay? So, um, you know, some of these guys, Mike Cass even mixed, missed the cutoff because he did 06 to 2016. So he was 05, yeah. So um, five was Victor Bolden, and that caused a ton of controversy on Blitz. Tons. <laughs> Victor you know? Bolden, top five, huh? Top five. Like I said, you're looking at the past decade. So uh, number four was, um, I'm, I'm going to mess this up now, right? Um, number number. Uh, Gosh, now I'm like having a complete blank here. Number, um, we we did two, two so today. So Strotter, you'd have to have Strotter in there. Strotter was three. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Strotter was four. Wheaton was three. Yeah. James Rogers, two. Oh, then I know who one is. I mean, it's pretty pretty easy. <laughs> I don't want to blow the surprise, I guess, but I think most people <laughs> at this point are going to be able to guess that. Yes. Sorry, I, I totally blanked on Strutter. You know, so, yeah, so Sammy was four. Yeah. Wheaton was three. And it, that was a tough one because, you know, Put you know do you put Wheaton ahead of James? Personally, I couldn't do that, but yeah, I think James meant a little more to the program. I mean, Marcus had an incredible career, and I think he passed him in receptions. But eh, I think impact wise and just tenure at Oregon State, you got to put James ahead of Wheaton. Yeah, yeah. So number one, I, it's not going to be a Bolden a at big, five, huh? Who would you put ahead of him? Oh. I'd have to think about that for a second. What was the kid's... I, this, I'm bad with names after like two or three years. What was the kid's name? We're 23, played a few years back. Jordan something. Bishop? Jordan Bishop. Don't you think Victor Bolden and Jordan Bishop are basically the same player? Yeah, Bishop was maybe more of a Villeman kind of kid. He was tall, athletic. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, but there, you know, there were some arguments like Shane Morales could have been on that list. Shane Morales, that's a really good name pickup yeah. right there. That's a money one because he, it almost felt like every time he got the ball thrown to him, he didn't drop it. Or like, Brandon so Powers. I don't remember what year that was, but Brandon Powers was money there for a while. Yep. Brandon Powers is a good one. Yeah, I, I can see it. I mean, yeah, I disagree with it, but I can see why maybe you get to Victor Bolden if you're just going decade. So obviously you miss Hass by a year. I mean, I can, I can see why maybe you go Bolden. Bolden's a little more dynamic, too. He gives you the special teams option. Yeah, I mean, and, and Bolden had a good 2014. You know, that was a big year for him. But, um, you know, a lot of people, and a lot of our fans, to be to be fair, thought maybe we should have looked 2015 to, or 2005 to 2015. Yeah. But uh, that's what's fun about these little things. I mean, remember our, one of our podcasts, we talked about the, the top players and the top coaches at Oregon State. Yeah, those conversations are always fun to have. And I think in weeks like this, and I just give you kind of my perspective, 
And what I notice in the Portland market is is just, you know, Beaver fan, diehard Beaver fan, there's a lot of them out there, and we hear from them from time to time, but this is a rare week where you're playing Idaho State. Like, audio we've played of Gary Anderson is basically Gary Anderson saying, I think they really like and respect each other in that locker room, and I really admire that for a program, and that's not something... Like, he's basically complimenting on uh, complimenting Idaho State on liking each other, and yeah. you're not breaking down this guy and that guy, and I think that's kind of where you're at, where there seems to be a pretty big drop-off for me that when we've we've talked Oregon State, uh, no text, it's like two or three, and then others, other people who troll and say Oregon State's going to lose, why are you talking about Oregon State? That's kind of what a week like this does. Now, next week's going to be a lot of fun. I think next week on everything, beaverblitz.com, our show, the podcast, you get Boise State, and and that's such a huge non-conference game. Can you beat a, a program like Boise and what that would mean for them going forward, going into conference play? That's going to be a big week. But I think weeks like this, it kind of just knocks you down a peg because you're coming off the excitement of such a close game that you got to feel that they're going to comfortably beat Idaho State. So what do you have to look forward to? Well, it's a couple more. It's a couple more weeks from the Minnesota game, and that's Boise State. Yeah, exactly. And and Boise, that like you said, there's there's no love loss between those two programs, and uh, it it will be a, a big weekend in Corvallis. Yeah, that it will be. Um, one thing I did want to address is uh, a narrative that I heard because again, I, I think our stance is pretty clear. Oregon State's got to have one of those knockout wins. Go win 45 to nothing. Go win uh, 53 to three. I, I Make it like a 30 to 28 point victory. And I think everybody's feeling pretty good about themselves. So Boise State's obviously the next game you kind of look for. But for me, I, I look for a, a conversation I was having with a buddy of mine was a story I saw. And this has to do with a question that we had that I actually think is a really good one. So there was a narrative out there that got created somehow that Mike Riley left Oregon State because he was running from the Oregon Ducks. And it was an article written in Eugene. There's quotes from people. Uh, and then Mike Riley comes on the Big Ten conference call. And basically, like half the questions are about, Did you? do you think he ran away from the Oregon Ducks? Do you think he went to Nebraska for that reason? And I just think it's the most idiotic thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I hadn't heard that narrative yet, but that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Well, he's got such a big game this weekend against that team. And obviously, you're going to bring up the past. He lost his last, I think, seven Civil Wars. He was 4-3 and three before they went into that stretch. I don't care how you feel about Mike Riley. You don't like him. You don't respect him. You like him. What have you. How can you possibly believe he left Oregon State went to go to Nebraska out of sheer fear of losing <laughs> to the Oregon Ducks again? That's what I was like. I mean, that is... That is myopic duck fan inflating their self-worth more than it really needs to be. Well, here's the thing, Angie. I did this on Twitter, and I actually got a couple people, Oregon State related, was like, it may not have been the reason, but it was part of the reason. <laughs> Look, I, this is not a podcast for the other program. From 2008 to 2014, Riley's last years at Oregon State, do you know how many Pac-12 teams actually beat the Oregon Ducks? Yeah, not many. Four. Stanford. Arizona, both a couple times, USC once, Cal once. Four programs programs. beat beat that team in that span. But Riley lost, and he's pictured as a guy running away. I I think that's the worst thing I've... That's the worst hot take I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, that's... Like I said, I haven't even heard that one, so that's an interesting one. It's just ridiculous. I thought... Is that why, you know... 
is everybody in the Pac-12 scared of the Ducks? Uh, no, not really. Well, I don't think anymore at all. I don't think anybody was ever scared. Like, that's such an idiotic narrative to me. These coaches don't coach out of fear. I think they coach for strategic purposes, for the future, etc. They're not coaching out of fear. No. Riley's, and they're not making job decisions No, based on one team. Riley's not built that way. He's never been wired to coach out of fear. I think he simply took... I think there's two reasons. Uh, as we rehash this conversation, sorry. <laughs> I think there's two things, and you could chime in with what you think. I think the first is Nebraska's a hell of an opportunity. Oh, I think a guy at, at the end of his rope, at the end of his career, he kind of looks in the mirror and says, do you really want to finish here? Do you think you can prove it on a national level? You go to Nebraska. The second is, I think he had Car Blanche at Oregon State and was basically said, hey, do whatever you want, get to a bowl game, we'll give you another year. And it was no big deal. And then he started to plateau at the end, and it was starting to get some pressure from some donors and some of the athletic department people, specifically the AD's office, of basically, you know, Mike, your defense has really kind of taken a huge step back. Do you maybe want to make some changes? And I think he looked at it and said, are you kidding me? You gave me carte blanche, and now you want me to make changes based on pressure? Yeah, yeah, That's horse bleep. I'm leaving. Bye. Goodbye. I, I think that was the initial thing, but I also do. I think at the end of the day... You have a program like Nebraska who, I mean, look at their sellout streak and their, it is one of the big, big, big conference or big schools in the country as far as football goes. And to be able to go, go out a program like that, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's something you just don't turn down. Yeah. And especially that, with the pressure that you're having, you know. Well, and, and people will point to like USC and cause you know, the two big jobs for Riley's life has been USC, Alabama, right? Where he was a coordinator then he goes to Oregon State, and people bring up, you know, they wanted to hire Mike Riley after Pete Carroll left, and Alabama called Mike Riley. First of all, I think there are two things we need to correct here on this damn podcast. The first one would be the USC thing. I have never bought into the full USC narrative the way that it's always kind of been thrown out there. I think the Mike Riley call for USC was one, you had John Robinson back in him. That's always going to be a great play for the AD in terms of where he's going to look. But the second, and I think this is a big part, the second part is when you go from a program that has all these sanctions and all these violations and all these questionable characters, who looks like a great candidate as a head coach? Well, I mean, that's, I mean after Bo Pelini, Riley is a saint. Exactly. Look, what Nebraska did exactly what I think USC was doing. It was... Look, I think the idea would never admit this. Yeah, we think Riley can win, but we also wouldn't mind going in a red-ass direction to a, aw, Gene Willikers direction. Yeah, a totally different, I mean, you have a guy that's swearing all over the place and berating players to, yeah, yeah too many Christmas, exa- guys. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think the Alabama thing is also an interesting point. Was he offered Alabama? Was he not? Like, I think the Alabama job, look, if he turned it down... I don't know what that has to do with anything. Have we not made life decisions like years after turning down similar ones? Yeah, I mean... We, we go through this in our lives where you get a job offer with great pay, but you love the city or you love the company and you say, eh, now's not the time. But maybe five years later, the same thing comes across and you go, you know what? I'll take this one. I like that company. They look good. I, I want to have an opportunity. I think it's time now. People change. They change their opinion all the time. I don't... You know, and families, I mean, you know, Riley had younger kids at at a point in his life, you know, living at home and school. Yeah, it's a totally different. Yeah, 
Coach Riley had a, a very big piece in Oregon State history, but gosh, I think fans need to kind of let that one go and move on to this new direction. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Hey, uh, what did you think Christian Wallace back at practice today? Good. I mean, that's huge. And I loved the quote from Coach Kloon. I don't know if you if you were able to see it, but somebody asked, I think it was Danny Moran, asked uh, what he thought of, uh, you know, give give fans what, what he, and he said, he's big, he's fast, he's a beautiful looking, or he's beautiful looking as a football player. <laughs> I think that's pretty well put for a four-star kid that finally comes in, huh? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I've seen him. You know, he was here in the spring or in the summer. So, uh, the day that Gina and I did our workout, we saw him. We worked out with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big, physical, long arms, um, long legs, fast. So, it'll be, but, you know, he still needs to get up to speed. He needs to, you know, grasp the system and everything else that's asked of him. He's, he's really behind right now with all those guys that have been all through fall camp and, and spring practice and all the other part of, you know, that they've been through. Do you think there's a chance we see him play at all? You ask Christian Wallace, and he says yes. Mm-hmm. You ask coaches, they say, let's see what he can do. So I, I'm i not so fast to say he, he will play, but um, I do think he is a, has a ton of talent, and it's going to just kind of come down to how fast he can learn the system. It's 50-7 to seven in the game. It's the fourth quarter. There's five minutes left. Do they put him in at that point? I mean, I'd imagine you'd want to kind of trot him out there for a play or two, right? Yeah, but if you do that, then, then he's playing because you're not going to burn a kid's shirt a red shirt for a couple plays in a you know garbage minutes mm-hmm. of an Idaho State game. So if if that happens, you know then they better be darn sure that he's playing the rest of the year. Gotcha. All right. Um, I, I, I would hate to see. You know, I always go back to Kevin Cummings, but that is still one that just it just you know it should burn Beaver fans. Is that kid went in for two plays against Cal? That was it. Burned his shirt. Yeah. The whole the whole red shirt situation I always think is a little weird. Like. You're right. He played two plays, but that, I mean that disqualifies him from redshirting. Yeah, I've never understood that rule and why it's that way. Yeah, I, I think that's ridiculous. Uh, we got just a, a, a few questions. I know we're kind of up against it. This is kind of a shorter podcast. Uh, this is partially on me. I was running really late today post show. Uh, Angie has an appointment set up. So what we've actually done is we've realized schedule wise Wednesday is actually not working. So actually, we're going to move the damn podcast to Thursdays now. So we'll we'll do it on Twitter at Brandon Sprague at Angie Machado One. We will tweet out all the t- every week. Hey, Thursday, damn podcast coming up. Questions, etc. Uh, we apologize for that. I hate moving things around. I don't think that's good appointment listening for people. Throws you off your schedule a little bit. But uh, we're going to change the damn podcast from Wednesdays to Thursdays. So be on the lookout for that. Yes, and and it'll be better because. I mean, this is the perfect time that we have a little shorter podcast because there's not a ton to talk about. We did get a couple questions. Okay, let's get um, those. John Jensen on Twitter asks, are, what do you think? Are we more interested to watch the Beaver game or the Nebraska game this weekend? So, uh, truthfully admitting, Nebraska's always been a bucket list college football venue for me. I am leaving for Nebraska Thursday. We're recording this on a Wednesday. I'm doing my radio show in Omaha on Friday, and I am going to the game. Oh, my gosh. How awesome is that? I've always wanted to go 90, 95,000, all big red. Like, it has another, and honestly, it's great from my angle because it's a local tie in, but I, I really have always wanted to go to Nebraska since, you know, Tom Osborne. So, I'm looking forward to it, and honestly, I, I think Beaver fan wants to see a blowout. I think, truthfully, though, they'd tell you, you're, you're still interested in seeing what Riley does at Nebraska, and you're playing your hated rival. Oh, we have we actually have a thread on Beaver Blitz that says, I cannot believe I'm saying this, but go Big Red. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, when I when I get there, Angie, I'm going to buy a big corn stock hat and I'm going to buy a Nebraska shirt. Sit in the stands. Oh my gosh! Are you, so you are sitting in the stands? Yeah. Well, we have media passes, but are you going to try to go say hello to Coach Riley? Uh, I do want to go say hi to him. I I don't want to get into an interview thing that happened this week, but yeah. uh, I'm going to go say hi to him uh, after the game. Give him a, a hug, a little hello, and then maybe get a picture and uh, wear some Oregon State gear in the picture with him next to him with some Nebraska gear on too. <laughs> Make it a little Their awkward. Corn for hat? Your corn head? Yeah, maybe put it on top of the corn head, the old giant killer's hat that I got from uh, old okay. Alex Crawford. So, yeah, I'm going to say hi to him and I'm looking forward to it. Well, awesome. So, uh, there's that question. We do have a couple here on Beaver Blitz as well. Uh, Coach Morrow OSU wants to know what is the word on some of the first year GA recruits that went on missions? And also, have we completed the attrition process for Riley guys who didn't fit with the new system? Uh, yes, I think the attrition is. Pretty much done. Mm-hmm. I haven't, you know, I, I it, the guys that I kind of expected to move on did. Um, as far as first year GA recruits, the big one is Christian Falau. He is uh, should be back this next summer, and uh, that's that's what I'm watching now. You know, there's a couple of those guys. Simi Mawala won't be back until January of 18. Uh, Lopini Katoa. I've already heard that he's probably going to be fi- uh, following Sataki. So um, oh, but, brutal. Uh, Christian Falau is that big linebacker, the four-star linebacker that they were able to get, and that will be an interesting one. So, um, you know, we can't talk to these kids while they're on their missions, so that's that'll be definitely one to watch. Um, David Pangupo is not a mission kid. He signed this past February, but we are told he was a, a, not, a non-qualifier, but we are told that by him that he will be here in January. So that's a big, big get for the Beavers going forward. Good stuff there. And uh, let's see, we have... Beavs in Washington has a couple. Who's going to score first for the Beavers this weekend, and will it happen on the first series? Ooh. Oh, that's a great question right there. That is a good question. Yes, it will happen on the first series, and uh, I will predict it's going to be a Jordan Villeman long touchdown pass. I, you know, I was actually just thinking, but I was in my head. I was oh, don't Villeman. you steal my answer, no, I, I'm Angie. not stealing it at all, but I, it's like we're channeling. Um, <laughs> but then I started also laughing, thinking in my head, well, maybe Victor Bolden needs to you know, step up since he was number five mm-hmm. on the wide receivers. And then uh, Beavs in Washington had one more question. Are the beaver teeth face masks a thing of the past? I dig the black face mask on the white helmets at Minnesota. I do think, you know, the, remember they had the stripe? Yep. The, I think those are our history. You think they're done? I do. I, th- I think those are gone. I've also heard some rumors that we might see an alternate uh, uniform this year. So Hey, there you go. Finally yeah. Nike helping out Oregon State a little bit, huh? I, I've only heard that a couple from a couple people. but Sources. Um, sources. But <laughs> um, I haven't seen anything leaked or any other things mentioned. So I'm going to be kind of watching that one. Sweet. All right. There's some good questions there. Uh, apologies if you don't think the podcast is long enough today. Again, it's Idaho State. Uh, we both expect Oregon State to finally have one of those huge blowout victories where in the fourth quarter you're just killing time. Uh, I want to give a quick shout-out on the damn podcast. Stay tuned after the Idaho State game if you're inclined to. Alex Crawford's Giant Killers documentary is going to air on the Pac-12 Network right after that game. It's debuting on the Pac-12 Network. Uh, really happy for him. He's a good guy, co-worker of mine, uh, and selfishly, I'm in it a little bit. So uh, stay tuned for that. Um, anything else, Angie? That's it. That sounds exciting. All right. I've heard great things about the Giant Killer documentary. Um, so check it out. Uh, again, we're on Twitter at Brandon Sprague, at Angie Machado one Back next Thursday. And guys, Boise State next week. It is going to be a ton of fun. Be sure to uh, stay tuned for another edition of The Damn Podcast. Thank you for listening.
Hey guys, Sprague here. Please subscribe, give us five stars, leave a comment. Thank you for listening. Me and Angie always appreciate it, but do your job. Do your part. Leave a comment. Five-star stuff. Now.